Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Chris, and uh, we're so glad that you chose to uh, hang out with us this morning. Uh, just by a show of hands, uh, how many of you wish that we lived in a perfect world? Just by a show of hands. Okay, I think most of us uh, kind of wish we, we lived in a perfect world. And uh, this week, uh, I found some definitions of what a perfect world uh, would actually look like. Here's the first one. In a perfect world, uh, chocolate would have no calories. Okay? Perfect world. In a perfect world, procrastination would be honored as a virtue. Okay? In a perfect world, teenagers would rather clean their room than text on their phones. In a perfect world, politicians would pay us taxes. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? In a perfect world, children on trips would say, isn't riding in the car fun? And then fall asleep, okay? In a perfect world, uh, children would actually have no vocal cords until they left our home. And uh, that'd be good. And then finally, my wife gave me this one. She said, uh, in a perfect world, uh, men would go through labor, okay? Yeah, look at that. Some of the women, they're excited here this morning. Well, folks, unfortunately, we do not live in a perfect world. So what we have to do is we have to grow in these fruits of the Spirit that we've been talking about over these past four weeks. And the one that we're going to talk about today is one in which we really have to grow in, and that is patience. And because um, you have to have patience when you're living in an imperfect world. Now, our central scripture has been in Galatians 5, uh, chapter 22 and 23. And uh, it's up here on the screen. And I'd like for us to just read this together. Uh, So uh, on the count of three, we'll read it together. One, two, three. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience. And then it goes on and on and on. And what's that last word again? Patience. Exactly. Now... It's much easier, wouldn't you say, to say that word than it is to practice it. How many would agree with that? Yeah. It's kind of nod your head. Yep. And yet God says that if we're going to relate with people, if we're going to have healthy relationships with people, if we're going to have growing relationships with other people, then we have to become much more patient and we need to learn this. In fact, Patience is probably one of the most important things that you can have in any relationship. But why would God say that? Why throughout Scripture would He say it's important for you to be patient if you're going to have healthy relationships? Well, the reason is it's because He's had to deal with you and me. He has to have a lot of patience to deal with us. In fact, when you look throughout humanity, He's had to have patience to deal with human beings. Now, God has patience. But as human beings, it's a very difficult thing for us to attain. Now, this is what the word patience actually means. It actually means it takes a long time to boil. That's what the word means in Greek. It takes a long time to boil. Now, Often, you'll hear someone say, man, he's got a short fuse, right? Well, patience means that you have a long fuse. 
a long fuse before you lose it. And as I was studying this word this week, throughout the Bible, there is not a place that it's mentioned in which it's not discussing relationships. In other words, every time that patience is mentioned, it deals with people. Because it's very important to have patience in any healthy relationship. So you need to take a long time to boil if you're going to be a patient person. If you're going to be able to relate with other people. Let's look at this next passage of Scripture. Let's read it together. Love is patient. Love is patient. So that means that if I'm going to be a loving person, then one of the qualities is I'm a patient person. And if I'm unloving, then it means I'm impatient. When I'm patient with my kids, I'm loving. When I'm patient with my wife, I'm loving. When I'm patient with Derek, I'm really, really loving. Okay? (laughs) Believe me. So again, when I'm patient... I'm loving. When I'm impatient, I'm unloving. Now the question becomes, why is patience so important to having vital, healthy relationships? Well, first of all, it's this reason. Because everybody is different. Everybody is different. The Bible says this, God works through different people in different ways. Everybody is different. And God works through different people in different ways. He says, everybody is an original. And if you're a parent of one or two or three, um, probably more like two or three, I guess. But if you're a parent of two or three more kids, you realize that they are very different. I mean, I just look at my one-year-old and three-year-old, and they are very different kids. Shiloh likes me to grab her by the legs, hold her upside down, and go like this. And she loves it. She's like, oh, this is wonderful. If I did that with Jordan, she'd be like, Daddy, no! You know? Because they're two different types of kids. They're from the same family. They have the same mom and dad, but they're very different. In the same way, God has a unique shape just for you. You are one of a kind. There is nobody else in the world just like you. You're different. You're complex. You are truly one of a kind. And for some of you, we're grateful that there's only one of you. You know? One's enough. The world would be too much if there were two like you. And seriously, though, the reality is, folks, we're all different. And we all have different perspectives. For example, if there was a crime that was committed here this morning, and you can't say it's my teaching, okay? But if there was a crime that was committed here this morning, and each of us looked at it, I have a feeling that in a crowd this size, each of us would have a different kind of perspective. We may not see it exactly the same way, because we're all different. In fact, I want to give you a little test this morning. Uh, Let's go back to the dark ages for some of you. That is when you were in high school, okay? And uh, when you were in high school, uh, let's say that the example of your report card looked like this. Math, A. History, A. Science, A. 
Physical education, A. English, B. Now, if this had been your report card, how do you think you would have felt? First of all, would you have said, I'd feel good knowing my parents felt good too. How many would say that? A couple. Okay. Second one here. My parents would want to know why I made a B in English. Okay. Look, some of those hands are like, yep, that's me. I know who my parents are. All right. Three. I would expect a big reward from my parents if I brought home this card. Yeah. <laughs> Guy in the back's like, dude, I'm wanting money, you know. Okay, four. I'd feel sad because I hadn't got all straight A's. Okay? There's a few of you. Now, for the rest of us, this is it. I'd call NBC News and schedule a press conference, right? Hey, I'm with you. You know, two hands up, right? Folks, the fact is we're all different. And because we're all different, we need to be patient. Here's the second reason why patience is so vital to healthy relationships. Because our differences create misunderstandings. Because our differences create misunderstandings. Folks, because we are different, none of us are exactly alike, it creates misunderstandings. Often, we can't figure each other out. We don't know where other people are coming from. Sometimes I'll say something or do something, and Jen, my wife, will just look at me and go, what planet are you from? You know? Like, how did you think that was going to be so good? It was, it was not. Are you listening to me? And most of the time, I have a feeling that you have people in your life. You say something, you do something, and they're like, what were you thinking? That a person might even be the person sitting beside you right now. They're like, what were you thinking? The Bible says this, no one really knows why anyone else, no, no one really knows what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like, except that person himself. You see, the current key phrase or the key couple of words are those first two, no one. We, do, we say to ourselves often, don't we? Nobody could understand my wife. No one could understand my husband. If you had my boss, you could not figure him out. I mean, how many of you in the last 30 days have said any phrases like this? I don't understand the way he acts. Why does he act that way? Or, she doesn't understand me. He's on a different wavelength. She doesn't make sense. How can you think that way? My parents are from another time zone. Why do I have to tell you 45 times before you actually do it? Why won't you talk to me? Why do you get emotional all the time? Can you relate to, like, any of these? Okay, this just came from the Bunch family in the last 30 days, okay? We all can, because we are different from one another. And our differences can create misunderstandings. Look at this next verse, and let's read it together. Be patient with everyone. See, that you weren't as strong on that one. Yeah, you were a little weak. Be patient with everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that seems impossible. How could the Bible actually even say that? Be patient with everyone? I mean, how do you do that? You know, the reason that we're often 
impatient is because impatience comes from our misunderstandings. And our misunderstandings come from our wrong assumptions. So I want to give you just four wrong assumptions that we have that create misunderstandings in our relationships. You'll have to write these down if you want to. The first wrong assumption is this. To assume that words we use mean the same thing to different people. That the words we use mean the same thing to different people. Guess what, folks? They don't. They don't at all. I mean, one word that you say and you use can be totally different from another person's perspective. I was looking up this week. Did you know that there are 500 common words in the English language that people use more often than any other? So there's 500 of them. 500 that we use all the time. You know how many different definitions there are to those 500 words? 14,000. So that means there's 500 words, and some of these words, I found out, actually have 100 different meanings to one word. So when you use the word, whatever you say, it can have a totally different perspective to someone else. Here's the second thing, the wrong assumption. That there is only one right way to see things in a relationship. There's only one right way to see things in a relationship. Folks, this is not true. Men, there is not just one right way. Here's a third wrong assumption. That my way is the right way to see it. Okay? There's only one way, and my way is the right way. Have you ever caught yourself saying something like this? There wouldn't be any problem in our relationship if you would just do things my way. Yeah. My side of the argument is clear. Your side is confusing. My side is logical. Your side is irrational. My side of the conversation makes perfect sense. Your side, the lights are on, but nobody's at home. Okay? You know, if you would just get your act together, then we wouldn't have any problems in this relationship. Here's a fourth kind of wrong assumption. I can figure out your motives. You ever tried to do that before? I tried to figure out your motives. Folks, you can't figure out anyone's motives. I mean, people are motivated very differently. I can't even figure out my motives half the time of what I do and why I do it. I don't know. I can't figure it out. And if I can't figure it out for me, how in the world would I ever figure it out for anybody else? You know, the hardest kind of word for me in that scripture, be patient with everyone, is that last, ver- that last word. Everyone. I mean, you know, it would have been different if, you know, the Bible would have said, be patient with the people that you like, right? We could do that. Or be patient with people some of the time. Or be patient with, you know, people most of the time. But be patient with everyone all the time. I mean, it's very difficult. And yet, folks, this is not just a suggestion. It's actually a command. Now, this is a good thing. God and God's Word never tells you to do anything without giving you some direction on how to do it, showing you how to do it. So, how can you be more patient with people? This is how. The first thing, remember how patient God is with you. Remember how patient 
God is with me. Folks, the reality is you will never have to be any more patient with anyone else than what God has been patient with you. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, wrote these words. He said, I, Paul, was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm the worst of sinners. I'm a murderer. I'm a murderer of Christians. I have beat people, hurt people. And he says, all of this transpired, and yet even in the midst of this, God chose me. God turned me around, and he did so by giving me unlimited patience. You know, the next time that you look at your kids and you say something like, grow up, just remember that maybe, just maybe, God is saying that to you. When are you going to grow up? Or the next time you're in a hurry, you say, hurry up. Why do you always take so long? Now remember, in the midst of that, that God just might be reminding you and telling you, why are you taking so long? I mean, often, God, I think, says things like, why are you still in the same gear that you were a year ago? Why isn't your life maturing? Why isn't your attitude changing? Why isn't your language becoming more clean? On and on and on. He prompts us by His Spirit, yet, through it all, He's so patient with us. Let's read this next passage of Scripture together. It says, Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. The reason I accept other people is because God has accepted me. The reason I can be patient with other people is because God has been patient with me. The reason I'm able to try and get along with other people is because God is always trying to get along with me. The starting point always is, remember how patient God has been with you. The second way to be more patient with people is to learn by listening. You learn by listening. The Bible says this, a person's wisdom gives them patience. And then it goes on to say, patient people have great understanding. So you learn to listen. Now, the key words in uh, those two passages, you might want to circle them in your program. First one is wisdom. And the second one is understanding. Because if you don't get anything else from today, this is what I want you to understand. Is that you only gain understanding in your life when you become more wise. And the way you become more wise is connecting regularly with God and with His words. Folks, if you want to learn to be patient, or more patient, the key is understanding. I mean, the key to patience is understanding other people. And the more you have wisdom, the more you're going to have understanding. 
And the more you understand the person, the more patient you're going to be able to be with them. On the other side, if you don't understand a person and you don't work hard at understanding them, you'll never be patient with them. Those are people you become very impatient with when you don't understand them. In fact, if you don't understand them, you won't have any relationship at all. Because the key to every healthy relationship is understanding. I mean, if I don't understand you, and you don't understand me, then how can we have a relationship together? Because there's nothing there. The key is understanding. No understanding, no relationship. Misunderstanding destroys relationship. Every time you don't work hard to try to understand the other person's perspective, your relationship gets destroyed little by little. And where do you get this understanding from? You get it from wisdom. You know, one of the greatest uh, needs that you and I have as human beings is that we want to be understood. We want someone else to really understand our perspective, what we're thinking of. There's a great Christian uh, psychiatrist named uh, Paul Turney, and he said this, No one can fully develop in this world and find a full life without feeling understood by at least one person. There's no way you can understand unless there is one person in your life. No way to have a full life unless there's one person in your life that understands you, that gets you. And the best way to figure out who you are and who God made you to be is not just by looking in the mirror, but it's by having some people around you who can connect and build you up and encourage you and say, this is who you are. Because relationships, folks, more than anything else, is the greatest need that you have. So the question becomes, how do I become better with the people who I become so impatient with? How can I better understand people who I become so impatient with? And you do it by listening to them. Listening to them. You see, folks, this is one of the things that I've learned, is that hurt people hurt people. And the only way that you ever are going to relate or connect with other people is if you understand where their hurt's coming from. Because my thing is, when I can understand why people are hurt, then I can be so much more patient with them. Also, when people get angry and they get upset, often, right underneath anger is hurt. They're hurt about something. That's why they're, you know, expressing anger. And so if I can understand the hurt that's going on in their life, then the anger, I can kind of help them through that. And folks, there is a big difference between just hearing and actually listening to the other person. The Bible says this, Listen before you answer. If you don't, you are being stupid and insulting. Now that's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, he says, if you don't listen, if you don't evaluate, if you don't hear the whole thing, you shouldn't even speak until you've heard it all. I mean, God gave us two ears and one mouth, and so that means that we should listen twice as much as we talk. Now, I had a little free time on my hands this week, and so I... 
uh, did a research on bullfrogs, okay? I just knew all of you would want to know this this morning. Some of you are rare looking like, what is up, okay? Interesting fact about bullfrogs. God made the bullfrog with a muscle that sends a vibration to the brain that cancels out the croaking. You get that? There's a muscle that sends a vibration to the brain, but it cancels out the croaking. So when a bullfrog croaks, he can't hear it. The two vibrations just cancel themselves out. He can't hear that obnoxious sound that he's making. Doesn't that drive you nuts? You ever been to a pond? I mean, I'm not a violent person. I just like take a gun, man. Just spread them all out. Now my daughter now, every time she finds a little, you know, a little frog, she's like, oh, daddy, let's put it in a box. You know, hear that thing forever. He can't hear the croaking because it never gets to his brain. Now, here's the principle. It's hard to listen with an open mouth. It's hard to listen with an open mouth. You know, many of us in this place, we struggle with what I call open mouth syndrome. We just talk way too much. I've noticed sometimes in my own marriage with my wife, Jennifer, she'll be sharing the struggle with me and, you know, she's going on and talking about it. And and all of a sudden, I just have this tendency to want to put my cape on and go, Mr. Fix-It! And I want to fix it. And so she starts talking. And, um, you know, it might be in the middle of her conversation. It might be at the very beginning of her struggle. And I will just kind of stop her mid-sentence and I'll go, this is how you can fix this. I can help you with this. Here it is. And you know how Jennifer reacts to this? Well, we don't even have a picture that can kind of show that, okay? It's not good, okay? It's not good. You see, she doesn't want me to be Mr. Fix-It. She wants me to be Mr. Listening Man. She just wants me to listen. So let me ask you this morning, how good are you at listening? If people in your family were in a closed kind of thing and they knew they wouldn't have any trouble, you know, any repercussions, would they say, ah, they're a good listener? How would you evaluate yourself as a listener, on a scale of 1 to 10, if 10 was, man, I'm a great listener, I listen well all the time, would it be 10 or would you be further down the way? I have a feeling that most of us think that we're better listeners than what we actually are. Because the reality is many of us hear things, we just don't listen very well. I recently read an unscientific study about a guy who took his whole summer, he must have had a lot of free time, took his whole summer and went to different weddings. And he just did this to prove that nobody listens. He went through receiving lines. He went, uh, you know, around the table at receptions. And he would just smile at people and he'd go, the alligators are loose. And he said he'd go through receiving lines and he'd be like, hello, hello. 
the alligators are loose. And they go, oh, thank you. Thank you. Just going through lines of people, you know. He said the craziest thing that he had was from uh, the uh, mom of a bride. And he's going through and he's going, the alligators are loose. And she goes, oh, wonderful. That's what I made. You see, research has shown that only 7% of the meaning of what is said is communicated in words. Let me say that again. The words that you actually use, only 7% is actually received from the other person. 43% of what you say, in other words, deals with the tone of your voice. Are you loud? Are you soft? Are you, you know kind of delivering it in a certain way. And you want the other 50% of all communication deals with? It's your nonverbal expressions. You can give a look. You can give an eye. You can shake that head, wave that finger, hand gestures, body language, 50%. That's why, folks, I just want to tell you, this, this will save your marriage. This will save relationships. If you get an argument with anyone, that you value at any level whatsoever. And as a Christian, you should value everyone. Never, ever try to communicate conflict through email or texting. Do you know why? Because they're only getting 7% of what you're doing. That's it. All they know is the actual words that are on there. I remember one time counseling a couple. They're going through a divorce. They didn't talk to each other for the whole week, and they're texting each other. How are you ever going to communicate if it's all about texting? That's why being there, not just your ears, but your eyes to see the person, is so important. Husbands, have your wives ever said something like this? Why don't you look at me when we talk? Turn off the TV. Turn off the computer. Look into my eyes. Let's talk about something. And if they have, they have a point. Because your eyes are just as important as your ears because only 7% of what's communicated actually comes from your words. So you've got to learn to listen. Here's the third way. Making allowances for each other. You simply make allowances... Or other people. Okay, is this a true point, uh, statement? Everybody has bad days. Is that true? Yeah. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has bad days. We all get flaky sometimes, a little bit whacked out, depending on the time of day or the time of week, or dare should I say the time of the month, you know? Jen knows I have two touchy times in my week. One's on Monday morning and the other one is on Saturday night. Monday mornings, because typically when Monday morning comes, I'm wiped out from whatever's been going on on Sunday. Preparation, teaching, talking with people, helping people, connecting, teaching a class, whatever. But when Monday morning comes, I'm wiped. The other uh, time is Saturday nights, and that's because I'm going through PMS at that point. It's called pre-message syndrome. I mean, you think about having a final exam every single week, okay? And see how you like it, you know? But that's what I'm going through. And Jen, my wife, is so full of patience on those two times especially. And she gives allowances for those two times. 
Heard a good joke this week from a female. You know why it takes three women with PMS to change a light bulb? Because it does! No letters. Don't send me an email, okay? Now, ladies, I know men are temperamental too. 90% temper, 10% mental, okay? Ladies, I know that, uh, you know, they, people come to you and they go, oh, did you wake up grumpy this morning? And you go, no, I just let him sleep in, okay? <laughs> Folks, the reality is we all have bad days. There's sometimes you don't want to be within a 10-foot pole of me. And other times, you know, I'm sure I wouldn't want to be that close to you. And yet the Bible says to make allowances for one another. It says this, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And it also says this, great, this is something you should memorize. Smart people will ignore an insult. Smart people, they just ignore an insult. You just let it go. Because the reality is, folks, you have bad days and so do people around you. So when they get a little crazy, you just kind of let it go. Well, here's the last thing. Find a way to be more patient with people. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, does that sound familiar? It should. It's nothing new. It's the golden rule. In fact, Jesus said these very words. He said, always treat others as you'd like them to treat you. You know, that could save thousands of marriages, just that verse right there. If people just put it through their heads all the time, always treat others the same way that you would want them to treat you. I mean, we all know this. This is nothing new. But it's very difficult to apply it, to practice it. Let's read this next passage of Scripture together in Philippians 2. None of you should think only of his own affairs, but consider others' interests also. Let your attitude toward life be that of Christ Jesus. It says, pay close attention to the interest of other people. You look, you listen, you try to discover their interests. I mean, if I were to ask you today to tell me the top four or five interests of everyone in your family, could you do it? You see, sometimes we just get so preoccupied with us. We have a me syndrome, a me world, that everything revolves around me. And yet the Bible says, look out for the interests of other people. The point is, folks, if you care, you'll be aware of the needs of other people. If you care, you'll be aware of other people. And you'll be considerate and kind and sensitive, and you'll give breaks. Now let me ask you one last question. It's this. Is it easy to think from other people's point of view? Is that an easy thing to do? No. It's not. It's not easy at all. It's not normal. It's not natural. It's not easy for you to put yourself in another person's perspective. It takes effort. It takes God's help. 
I mean, most of the time, we want things from our own perspective, not from others. And yet, the key to healthy relationships is to be able to connect with people from their perspective. Over the past six weeks, my wife Jennifer and our two girls have been sick. I'm the only one so far that hasn't got sick. But for six weeks, the three of them at one point have been sick. Week number one... Jordan gets an ear infection. I am very, very patient. Week number two, Jen gets an ear infection. I am very patient. Week number three, Shiloh has some respiratory things, gets six. I am fairly patient. Week number four, Jen has some respiratory sickness herself. I'm not patient at all. Week number five, last week, June 16th was my birthday. I was 29. Okay? And then it was Father's Day on June 20th. And I'm thinking to myself this whole week, while Jen's sick, I'm thinking, I need to be catered to. It's my birthday. Father's Day, do you understand that? Remember Mother's Day? Remember all those nice things I did for you? Took you out shopping? Hey, you know, pick a K, pick an M, pick whatever. And she picked K, so we went to Kohl's and we did this whole shopping spree. I'm like, come on, how about me? So she was sick last week and I'm kind of, you know, with one of those attitudes like, ugh. I'm walking upstairs to get her Tylenol. And all of a sudden, I felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit that just said this. Chris, you'll never cater to your wife as much as I cater for you. You'll never cater for your wife. You'll never cater for your husband. You'll never cater for your kids as much as what God has catered for your life. So that from that point, I've just been thinking, total different mindset. What is it that I can do to show patience and love to the people who are closest to me. You ever find that before, that you can be so patient and loving with strangers, with people outside your home, people in the workplace, but you get home and it's like it becomes very difficult to do that. And it's been amazing to me that as I've tried to do that more and more and more, the joy and the peace in my life has flooded. Because this is the reality, folks. These fruits of the Spirit, when you start working at one, it has this double blessing to touch other things in your lives. Now, it takes God's power for me to be patient. I'm not naturally a patient person. So what I need is a different attitude. In fact... The scripture says that the key and the secret to, to, uh, pay, to your attitude is patience. The key to patience is your attitude. In fact, let's read this next scripture together. Let your attitude toward life be that of Christ Jesus. Folks, today, if you're not a very patient person, then you're going to have to have an attitude adjustment. You're going to have to set some time aside for your own attitude and to focus on the interest of God in other people. So today, as we share in communion, and Derek and uh, the guys are going to come up, I just want you to uh, 
Think about where in your life do you need an attitude adjustment? I mean, where in your life do you really need your attitude to change a little bit? You know, I was thinking about it this week that attitude is so important. An attitude is so important. Did you know when Jesus went to a cross, his attitude wasn't, oh, I have to do this out of obligation or duty to my Heavenly Father, but he voluntarily said, you know what, I'm willing to go. I don't even know the people who will sit in the jar on June 27th, 2010. I don't know all about them, what they're going to become, but I'm going to die just for them so that they might know how loving and patient I can be with them for eternity. And then he's practiced patient ever ever since then. The Bible says this, the Lord is kind and patient and his love never fails. The Lord isn't slow about keeping His promises as some people think He is. In fact, God is patient because He wants everyone to turn to Him. God is so very patient with you. And what I want to do is just give you some time for you to connect with God one-on-one, thanking Him for the fact That He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never walks away. When you have bad days, He has good days. He's always patient. He's full of love for you. You know, I was just thinking this week how incredibly patient God has been with me. I've said things. I've done things. I've done some bonehead things in my life. And, you know, for some of you, maybe this week, some of that happened. And he's been so incredibly patient with me. And uh, the band's going to lead us in a song called The Wonder, uh, Never Lose the Wonder. And I hope I never do that. I hope every time that I come to communion, and these communion tables are open for all who have a relationship with Jesus, that I never lose the wonder of what he did on the cross for me of His amazing love, of His patience for me. And so when you're ready, you can just go to uh, one of the tables and take off a piece of the bread, tear it off, and there'll be someone there you can dip it in and just take and eat and be reminded of the goodness and the thankfulness and the love that God has for you and how patient He is. And when you're done kind of going through this, taking some time with God, I'd invite you to come back to your seat and just hang out for a second because we're just going to celebrate the amazing, patient God that we serve. So let's take a few moments right now that you can just be in prayer with your patient God and imagine the cross that He died on just for you. And if you were the only person in the world, he would have done it because he loves you that much. Let's pray.
God, would you just come to us right now in this moment? And um, whatever in our life, God, is, that is not of you, that is not of your attitude, would you remove that? Would you just fill us right now with your amazing love?
I invite you to stand and uh, we'll uh, close out uh, this time of our celebration. And may you uh, always know that you're uh, loved in this place. We're just going to sing the song that we uh, ended with right before the message, um, the glory of it all. So, um, yeah, just giving God glory through communion and through this song um, is what we aim to do. It's not about anything that we're doing or... or, uh, it's not about us, ultimately. It's all about God. So um, I'll pray for us, and then we will just uh, sing this song one more time. God, we just uh, thank you so much for, for all you do and all you've given us, Lord. And um, Lord, by dying on the cross, like just paying for our sin, uh, Lord, we'll never completely understand um, just what that meant uh, for you, Lord. Lord, we'll never lose the wonder of that. Just remain in awe of your love and what you've done for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. After all 
we just we thank you so much for changing us. And Lord, we we just give glory back to you, Lord. Everything we do, it's for your glory, Lord. And we just thank you and praise you for coming to save us, Lord. And I'm dying for the cross, dying on the cross for us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, know that you're loved in this place, and that is something.